Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Well, hello there, hockey fans, and welcome back once again to the Bees Radio Network podcast episode number nine. Who would have thought we would have made it this far? Thank you as ever for all your support. This is our little treat for you who've decided to subscribe on our Patreon page. And the man who's been alongside me for, well, most of it, or whenever one of us can be Deciding that we need to be there. Mark Denham, how are we today? I'm very well, thank you. We're a team, Graham. We're a team. It's a team effort between us. And this weekend, Mark wonderfully took over the uh, dulcet tones that I got to listen to. I was unfortunately working at the uh, NFL this weekend, enjoying the Jameis Winston experience with only slightly less colourful language than what I see most weekends at the hives (laughs) from certain American fans as they were knocking on in there. Um, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to do something very strange here. And I'd like to take you on a little bit of a journey. Okay. Um, out in the Hive car park, there's a strange spaceship has arrived. It's not snowing in the car park, so the car park's completely open. Nothing to worry about that. That's all right, then. Did the spaceship That's... come from Peterborough? It, it, it may As have it's done. not snowing. It, it's not snowing. It Good. definitely could get in there. There was, a little bit of, there was a little bit of grit on the ground. Perfectly fine. <laughs> Nothing to worry about at all. Nothing to worry about. And out of the spaceship, I've come. And I am, a, I am an alien from outer space. It has been suggested I'm out of this world before, but I'm, I'm an alien from outer space. And I've walked up to the back door of the hive where at around about half nine on Sunday night, a man with a microphone, a lot of commentary gear, a laptop that actually worked, came up to me. <laughs> and he's the first person I've, be, I've, meet, I've met on the world. And I said to him, what goes on in this wonderful building? And he said to me, it was an ice hockey game between the TSI World Bretnell Bees and the Swindon Wildcats. And I straight away said to him, I said, so what happened? And the man said... Well, it was, uh, it was an interesting game. Uh, I think it was a very closely matched game. Um, now, we, we touched on the scoreline from last week in last week's podcast. It was a much, much closer game. Uh, you know, it, it was only until the third period when the opening goal went in. So, yeah, like it was a very close game. Good net mining. I have to say... There was a slice of luck three times, actually, for the Bees. Once uh, for the Wildcats, with the the post being rung as well when it was still scoreless. But it was a close-fought game. Um, You know, a lot of battles, a lot of scrapping going on, uh, and a very close-fought game, which in the end, when overtime started, it seriously really could have gone either way. I mean, it was impossible to call, I think, going into overtime. But penalty trouble. Robin Kovar gets a penalty early on in overtime. And that means that not only is Robin Kovar then out for two minutes, so too is Roman Malenik. I mean, it's a harsh rule uh, in that you obviously, if your EIHA, non-EIHA trained player is in the penalty box, still counts as one of your on-ice core. And you have to have your correct number of British players, which means that Roman Malenik cannot play and it was on that power play that Swindon Wildcats took the uh, took the bonus points, the winner's point. And I have to say, even though it was a goal against, it was a quality goal. It's something I don't think we see that often anymore in ice hockey. Was a uh, good pass across from Malasinski to Nell and a one-timer. You don't, you know, there are certain elements in the game, aren't there? Like the stack the pad save. When did you last see one of those? Yeah. The one-timer is much more rare now, isn't it, than it used to be. You know, you used to see, certainly I remember if you think back to the days of the BNL or the Super yeah. League or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd see a lot more one-timers. You know, these days they're rare. 
You see them in the warm-up, but they never seem to come out in the game. It's a good goal from Aaron Nell, I have to say. It was a good goal. No fault at all on Adam Goss. He played an outstanding game again. And, you know, that extra point could have gone either way. And if we had stayed out of penalty trouble, who knows? And that's really been Swindon's speciality this season is when they are losing games, they're picking up points in overtime. If they're going deep into games and it's tight, they're taking it to overtime and winning. And that's the sort of thing that can help these. And it works both ways for the Bees. This one point that picked up in overtime could end up being a vital point in both the league and the cup race because the way Swindon are playing at the moment, we'll come on to that in a second, but the way Swindon are playing at the moment, the way other team, teams at the moment are either winning or losing. Um, and I know that sounds easy to say, but they're not picking up these bonus overtime defeat points. So this for the Bees could end up being a very, very, very big point in the overall battle. And it was quite interesting. I was obviously able to follow some of the game from from away, thanks to the Bees Radio Network. And it was great to drop in and have a listen on that. And you could sense in the game, it was tight. It was it was a challenging game. I think every game between Bracknell and Swindon this season is going to be like that. Um, I just think they're two very well-matched sides. You're going to see nights where the Bees run away with it. You're going to see nights where Swindon run away with it. You're going to see nights where it's tight between the two of them. And I think we've got plenty of fascinating games to come against that Swindon side as the season rolls on. Obviously, it's disappointing. I'm not sat here and saying, yeah, it's, we've got a point. We're happy. No, you're going to want the two points from that game. But in the same breath, I do think the, the spirit of it, I think you wouldn't have seen that last season. I think it went the minute we would have fallen 1-0 down last season, we probably would have gone on and conceded two, three or four more. This year's side, they seem to be able to concede a goal, regroup, get back in the game. And I think that was proved with the timing of that goal from Malinik is all important in that. What was it? A minute and a half to go in the period or somewhat? Yeah. Those can and it be... was a good goal as well from Roman Malinik, I have to say. Like, you know, I've just spoken about Aaron Nell's goal. I feel I've done Roman a little short by not saying how good his goal was as well. Yeah. And I mean, and this is it. Like, you get those moments of magic, you get the goal, it, it rejuvenates the stadium, it ensures people are staying in their seats until the end as well, because you've seen it over the years across the league at clubs. You can go into a team, if you know when you're playing a team in their own barn. When you know that if you can score a goal with five minutes to go, half the crowd get up and leave because they know their team ain't coming back into the game. This year with the Bees, I get the feeling you're going to want to be in your seat until the end because there's always going to be a chance they're going to fight, they're fit, they're fast, they're going to battle right up until that final hooter and they'll give it their best shot to try and get something out of the game. Even if they don't, they'll at least be trying their hardest to get something from it. Well, I think that was evident on uh, on Sunday. It was evident because... You know, there were periods uh, early on where Swindon had momentum. Then the Bees had momentum. And the game swung like that. And, you know, Bees hit, then hit penalty trouble. Uh, and yet, you know, having killed, having killed, having killed, there was no sitting back and like, let's just regroup. It was straight back in there. Let's attack. Let's go. And they were taking their chances. Now, netminding was great at both ends through the opening two periods. It was great, I have to say. Uh, hence why it was nil-nil. You know, it wasn't for the quality of the trying. It was nil-nil after two periods because of some great goaltending. So, you know, top marks to uh, to Goss and to Mar as well. But this beast team doesn't give up. You know, like they came out in the third period. They were caught early. Battle, 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 battle. And I've spoken about how uh, Aaron Nelt scored the game winner on a power play in overtime. 
Roman Malenik's goal was a delayed penalty and just the speed with which Adam Goss was off the ice and the extra B skater was out there, who in the end I don't even think touched the puck on the play, but just the speed and the commitment and the dedication. And then Malenik, when it came down to it, there he was, powering it home and barely a celebration from Roman as he powered it home. You know, it's like, well, you know, we haven't quite finished yet. Still got things to do. And that's what I love. And that's what I love about this team. And I just get the sense that we're in October now. The season's really beginning to form. It's really beginning to take shape. I'm very excited about what this Bees team can do. I just, the run that's coming up for the team where effectively it's one away game and then it's four home games on the spin. There's a real chance to make a statement this early in the season. Like you're seeing results in the table. You win two, three, get you string together a run of form. You fly up the table. And I think this run that's coming up is the Bees' first big chance of the season to put together, to run the table a little bit. Yeah, I mean, even just this Sunday, you know, like as it stands, if the results go in favour of the Bees and the Bison on Sunday, Sunday is in effect a four-point game because there's a game in hand over the Bison. So Sunday becomes a four-point game. It's a chance to open up a bigger lead for the bison or it's a chance to overtake for the bees. So even this early on in the team, in the get season, sorry, every game is already proving crucial. And as you say, that one point from Sunday may come down to be a very important point when the cup table is finalised and indeed later on when the league table is finalised as well. Yeah, and I, I do think if you can pick, it was a big difference last year, but <laughs> I'm not going to say it's the only reason, but one of the big reasons why the Bison finished above the Bees last season, go look at the table. The number of overtime defeats or penalty shot defeats the Bees suffered compared to the number of overtime wins that the Bison picked up. Yeah, that's That was the difference. And if you change half those results around, Bees might have finished third last season. Yeah. Now, this brings me back to something we discussed in an earlier podcast, and it's something that I would like to see. Obviously, it's not going to change this season. But I do ask the question, if a win is worth two points, then how can a game that goes to overtime be worth more than the total number of points on offer for a regulation win? I think we need to look at, uh, I think we need to look at three, two and one. So yep. three for a regulation win, two for a overtime win and one for a overtime loss. I mean, I don't know if you remember, Graham, the, the situation that we had, the ludicrous situation years ago, where if it was a tight regulation, you got your one point each. And then if somebody won in overtime, because you could still have a draw in those days, it was five on five, five minutes sudden death. If somebody won in overtime, the losing team lost their point Yeah, to give it to the other team. I don't know if you remember that. That was crazy, wasn't it? Congratulations, you've won a point. Oh, now let's have a look at what you could have won. <laughs> Real bit of, but, bit, bit, bit of bully, though, that is. Bit of bully. Yeah, I do think... The bus fare home. I do think, though, that we know this is something that perhaps could be looked at for future seasons is, you know, overtime has to produce a winner the way it is now. If overtime itself doesn't, we go to penalty shots. We do not have a drawn game anymore. So therefore, why can't we make every game worth the same number of points? So you give three points for a regulation win, two, sorry, three, yeah, three points for a regulation win, two for an overtime win and one for an overtime loss, no game is therefore more valuable in the table than any other game. Now, obviously, you say the difference last season 
was the overtime results between the Bees and the Bison. You still have to go on. You still have to win those games. But I think you put a better balance into the table because every game is played for the same number of points. Yep, agree with you. Inject it into my veins that I take it every day. Three points for regulation, two points for overtime, one point for overtime defeat, zero points for loss. Do it. I, I, I Look, I, I, there's a the whole fallacy, obviously, as well. What is the more important competition here in the UK? It's the league. What's the more important well, competition? Well, it is for me. Yeah, and it is for me. What's the more important competition when you're in the US or most other places? It's the playoffs. So, but I but there's that- a crucial difference there, though, isn't there? You know, like now I know the playoffs have changed in this country, but if you go back to the last couple of years of the EPL, you played a home and away quarter final, and then a semi final and a final. Yep, that's the way it used to be, and this was always my argument when people say, "Oh, yeah, the playoffs is the pinnacle of the season." Well, it's the end of the season, yes, but in those days, you could afford to lose, say, one nil on the road, come home and win three nil. Then when you're semi-final and the final and you've won the playoffs, in some people's opinion, and you know, I don't mean this offensively, the most important trophy of the season by winning just three games. Yep. If you look at the NHL, how many best of seven series are there to get to yeah, the conference exactly. finals? And then you play the conference final best of seven before the Stanley Cup final. And these are games that are like just a couple of days apart as well. So the absolute strength and stamina and skill that's needed to be a Stanley Cup winner, I understand. You know, like, yes, there is a, a long, long season for the President's Trophy and the seedings for the, the playoffs. But just those best of seven series, I think, you know, I can fully understand how in the NHL the players want the Stanley Cup ring. The fans want the team to win the Stanley Cup. I can understand that. But here... Surely the pinnacle has to be the league. All of the teams compete. They play home. They play away. Um, I mean, I'd go as far as to say if overtime doesn't produce the result in the league, I don't see why you need penalties because it's a league. There are a number of different deciders in place. But then that's the insatiable desire, isn't it, in sport now that there must be a positive outcome somehow. But I think in this country, as you say, the league is definitely the pinnacle because it is the hardest trophy to win in the season. Yeah, it's the season-long quest for title. You have to play the best from September through to March. You can't just be the best team in April. Um, and we saw that last year, didn't we? Like yeah. that two weeks off for of Peterborough when Slava was away, that cost them the league. Now, you can't take away from the success they had last season, but just that two weeks off cost them the league last season when it was theirs at Christmas to win they didn't win it because of yep. that two weeks off that they had. No, exactly. Exactly. And uh, I mean, I'd love to do, you could probably run the permutations again and you could see how it actually would have made a difference to the league table. But I do think, and I agree with you, maybe it's something that should be looked at for the playoffs. It should just go to it to trial it in the playoffs um, and then try and implement it into the uh, NIHL national next season. Obviously, um, we're just going to try and write, wrap up some of the other news from across the league, but we need to start with the bomb that dropped at 3pm uh, on, fr- on Friday afternoon. Always good to keep your eyes on the IHA website at that moment for the disciplinary update, especially when it throws you um, the news that Brendan Baird's going to be serving a four-game suspension for fighting or roughing, depending on which referee's report you want to go by. Um, so, yeah, Brendan and, and Doug getting a bit of a surprise with that one. And those of you who saw the replay on Bees TV last week, uh, would have heard my thoughts on the commentary about it all. Um, it's been described 
as a sucker punch that Brendan Baird threw. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to try and word this carefully, but uh, I, I think there's nothing short of a shambles about this decision that's come down. Um, obviously, the di- I can understand it in the old days if you had just the referee's report and the referee's report has said that the guy's thrown a sucker punch and there is no video evidence to prove to the contrary, you accept it. But a four-game ban for that? We've got big. We've got bigger problems in this sport than handing out four-game bans for a light cuff. When you have a look at incidents like what's occurred to Sean Norris this weekend, where he, where, where the player who throws the hit that has thrown a guy into hospital with a brain trauma injury, got two minutes for roughing. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, we discussed last year, didn't we? Last week, the officiating, the four-man system. It's going to take some getting used to. But if you're going to get and I, I, I don't really care. I'm going to throw it out there. If you're going to get lunacy come out from discipline like this, what's the point to having four-man system? Right. You know, because did both officials see it exactly the same? If so, how come Beast TV has seen it different? I didn't see it live. I've seen it on Beast TV. You had a better sighting than me last weekend, and even you didn't see it that well from our position. But Beast TV has captured it. That footage can be used in discipline. All the uh, rinks are supposed to video their games. All home teams are supposed to video their games in case of the necessity of a discipline review. But when you get something like this, you know, the only thing I can think of is early on in the season, discipline are sending out messages, sending out threats almost, you know, like behave or else. Because this is not, in my opinion, it wasn't a match penalty, in my opinion, (laughs) having now seen it. Um, If it had been a game penalty, then Brendan would have got his three points on his penalty record and would have played last weekend. Instead, he got a match penalty, which means he automatically misses the next game, which was the Swindon game, and it automatically goes to discipline, who then decide, you know, like I think they've put numbers in a hat. Ah, four. Four, four-game suspension, Brendan Baird. Um, and now he will miss the next three games. And as you say, this is a big run for the Bees as well. But the one thing that worries me slightly is we had an incident last year with Roman Malenik where Roman Malenik yeah. sat out games. And then after Roman Malenik's suspension ends, when Roman is then allowed to return to the ice, a communication comes from the IHA, referenced the Roman Malenik penalty incident. We've downgraded it to a game. This means Roman has sat out three games that he didn't need to sit out. Yeah. Are we going to see the gate the same again now with Brendan Baird? Are we going to see common sense prevail? Someone's going to look at that video and say, "Hey, hang on, that's not even a match penalty." Yeah, and that, you know, that's what and I really. How like. much damage is done? Because how much damage was done last season while Roman Malenik was forced to watch from the stands? How much damage was done by him not being on the ice? You know, how much is going to be done this season by Brendan Baird not being on the ice and our defence being down one? And it's going to be the same with other players as well. Bobby Chamberlain picked up a four-match ban from seemingly out of nowhere, if you read the whole releases from last weekend as well. And they're sort of like, well, hang on, where's this come from? And three o'clock on a Friday, like, are you genuinely trying to tell me that an incident occurs in a game on Saturday and Sunday, and it takes until the Friday for a decision to be handed down? The Elite League get it right, and they do very well with their... Department of Player Safety, yes, it's a little bit of an NHL knockoff. You don't quite need to go to that level. But they get the communication out early, and it's a clear communication about why. 
there's been z- the communication on this is Brendan Baird received this penalty. Well, the penalty that's written in the communication on the uh, page is different to the one that was handed to the the game officials, and I believe is different to the one that is was signed off on the game sheet as well. And that's mm. a real problem if you're suggesting that afterwards, okay, we've realised there actually probably isn't a five uh, a match penalty for roughing, so we'll have to call it fighting. Well, how can it be a fight if there's not another willing combatant? Like. Yeah. There's so much to get into on this one. Uh, and I just think, as you rightly say there, we've seen that Leeds Chiefs this season have Sam Gospel have to miss a game because he got a match penalty. Okay, it's a match penalty. He misses our game. And then the following week, I, ah, you know what? It wasn't actually a match penalty. Well, hang mm. on here. That's, that's I mean, cost the Leeds. Leeds will argue, well, that's cost us two points. Right. If you, if you think back, I mean, we did an episode, didn't we, on how did we get to where we are? If you look behind the scenes, the EPL had a discipline committee headed up by Andy Worship. And I think this worked very well. Andy had the communications out by Wednesday and everybody knew where they stood. Andy is a very knowledgeable man on hockey and ruled fairly. And not only that, you could always just drop Andy an email or, you know, drop him an email and he would explain. If you wanted anything explaining, you know, I've given this because he was more than happy to communicate and explain exactly what he'd done. Obviously, with the EPL folding and the other clubs joining the NIHL, we kind of inherited the discipline committee that was with the NIHL because, you know, that's just how it was. We came into a new league. You couldn't really just say, right, thanks so much for all your help. Jog on now. We're bringing down the EPL discipline committee. But. I think back and I think, you know, like Andy would have his communication out by Wednesday. Every club in the league knew that their footage that they'd submitted and the referees reports would all be read, dealt with. And Andy would have the communication out by Wednesday. Everybody knew where they were. And if ever you wanted to query something like Andy, I think that's a little bit harsh. Why? He would quite happily then email you back and say, look, you know, I get what you're saying, but. Or, you know, yeah. he he was open as well you know i'm not he he is a knowledgeable man he ruled fairly he ruled quickly and it was all done very well i'm just a little bit concerned about you know firstly there's two referees reports here did i mean surely both referees can't have thought well that's a sucker punch two referees reports as you say is it roughing is it fighting nobody really knows i mean surely the game sheet must take precedence yep. here because that's the official document of the especially game once it's signed, according, especially once it's signed yeah according to the the communication from the iha on friday afternoon is it roughing is it fighting or what you know and yet even so where nobody seems to know exactly what the penalty is well we'll give it four games anyway the only thing i can say is i'm very grateful the very um when I became involved with the EPL at the sort of the turn of the, it's not the turn of the millennium, the turn of the tens, let's call it that. Turn at the tens, sounds like we should have a music track come in there. But at <laughs> the turn at the tens, there was a very much a case or with the EIHA and the disciplinary committee then. You'd put something in for supplementary review. They'd review it. They'd give it an eight game, a four game, a six game ban. You'd appeal it and they'd just half it. And there was, there's so many cases of that over the year. You look at it. There were so many times. Yeah. This player has received an eight-game suspension for headbutting. The appeal has gone in. We have decided to reduce it to four games. This player has mm. been handed a four-game suspension for roughing. The appeal has gone in. We've reduced it to two. Under Andy's time, it changed completely. It became a very fair. And at a time, we have to say, at the very end of the EPL, 
there were some very serious injuries and some very serious and dangerous plays occurring in that league. I can remember decrying towards the end the number of headshots, the number of uh, the number of undefended checks from behind. It tightened up massively, and like it did get to a point where, yeah, elbows were flying in, terrible checks, terrible timing. The speed was there, the the power was there, and discipline clamped down on that. And I think what you're now getting is almost an overzealousy. And it's almost like, oh, we've got to prove a point here. We're going to throw out a four-game ban. We're going to throw this one. As you quite rightly say, put the put the numbers in the hat, see what comes out. Oh, six games for you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> well, you see, the crazy thing here is Sean Norris playing for Slough at the weekend receives an horrendous injury. Now, I wasn't at the game, obviously. I was in Bracknell. You weren't at the game. You were working. And we didn't see what happened. But from all the reports, though, and it, I mean, to, to have received an injury of the magnitude he has, a traumatic brain injury and a concussion, and to be, you know, not, evil, not even able to have a timescale yet to return to work, that's a dangerous hit. You can just tell that from the injury. When you've been around hockey enough, you can tell that from the injury. And a two-minute penalty is handed out. A two-minute minor penalty is handed out. And yet, you know, this incident we're talking about with Brendan Baird, four-game suspension. How on earth does that... I mean, how is it fair? How is it consistent? And I think that's it. And I think that's all we ever decry of. We sat here the other week, we talked about refereeing, we talked about everything like that. Fine. There's learning curves we've got to go through. There's rocky roads we're going to go through. There's going to be challenges in this time of the season. All we ask for as hockey fans, first and foremost, is consistency. And right now, that consistency is not there. And it really needs to be. And it, I'd be decrying this if I was looking at another guy. If, if, I, if I see what Bobby Chamberlain got four games for and I don't believe it's penalty, I'd be saying exactly the same. This Sam Gospel situation with MK and Leeds, I've watched it again. He should never have got a match misconduct. <laughs> like, this is the sort of problem with it. You just want to see consistency. So you don't see something like Brendan Baird's incident. And I, I say it's an incident. It's not an incident. It's a skirmish. It's nothing. It's over in a heartbeat. But someone has decided, right, this is what it is. And then, well, they've then probably decided afterwards it might be something different. And then, okay, well, we've got this together. Right, okay, we're going with this. Here you go, four-game ban. What? Show the working. Mm. That's what I always want to say on these things. Show the working. Um, you sound like a school examiner. I do. I re- show your, always show your working. Maybe, that, maybe that's what happened. Brendan actually only got a one-game ban, but the referee's report for showing the workings was so good they put another three on top because they were absolutely delighted. <laughs> a bonus. Talking about, yeah. talking about four-game problems at the moment, um, Leeds Chiefs, my friends, have this week confirmed that they will not be icing in the, I don't know what to call it, Planet Ice Leeds. <laughs> it hasn't got a nickname yet. It feels weird. You've got the Hive, you've no. got the Silver Dome, you've got the Spectrum, you got all that. Uh, and this is just, you know, well, um, Leeds. Uh, but there are delays. So their games in November, their four home games in November, have been moved to a mixture of Blackburn and Witness, meaning that they're now looking at the start of December for the games. Um, speaking to people in Leeds, good news, the glazing's gone in now. That's That's really important. So that means hopefully there is now a sealed unit and work can properly begin on the inside of the building. But don't forget, the bees are due up there on the 4th of January. What a way to start 2020. And right now, I would not want to be a betting man taking the odds on that building being open on the 4th of January for hockey. 
It's tight, isn't it? Here we are. We are recording this on the 15th of October. It'll be out on the 16th. But if you think about it, that's six weeks until the Chiefs now expect to play their first home game or are being told that they can play their first home game. And yet the glass has only just gone in and it's only a sealed building, which means there'll be an awful lot of work still to do now that it is finally a sealed unit. I think December is really, really tough. I mean, you know, like I watched the temporary rink pop up in Slough and, you know, it's a bit different building a temporary rink than it is a, a permanent structure. But, you know, the speed with which they did it, yeah, impressive. But this is different because you're not just putting up an ice pad and, you know, a set of bleaches here. You've got to, you know, make sure everything's ready. Changing rooms, plumbing, um, you know, toilet facilities, uh, cafe and stuff like that. It's all got to be ready in addition to the ice. You've got to have all the seating there. I mean, like if, if anybody ever saw the temporary rink in Slough, it was basically just a, uh, a set of bleachers like you see on a school field on sports day. But here you're going to have proper seating that all has to be in and everything. And let's not forget, it's going to have to go through safety checks, isn't it? Yep. Before it can be open to the public, all of that has to be done. And that's a tight squeeze now, isn't it, for the Chiefs to be planning a December home opener? My my feeling on it is the building will be open for December. They'll be keen to get it open for the dancing on ice and the Christmas season to, and all that sort of things. And they could get to the point where the, the skate hire is open, the rink itself is open, but there's still work to do on the seating. Um, and if you remember when uh, the Manchester Altrincham uh, ice rink first opened, the first game in there, they were still doing lots of building work around it to finish the seating off in there as well. So maybe that yeah. could be a situation we look at as they get it open. Maybe it only has half seating, three quarter seating for the very start of their time. And then they finish the works off as it goes on because, I mean, they picked up their first win this weekend. Congratulations to the Chief. A shutout win as well of all things to come away with as well. Amazing scenes for those guys. But yeah, there's a lot of... You want to see it open because you do... You, any time an ice rink opens in this country for recreational reasons is a fantastic thing. It's great to see. So everybody's willing it on. I'm just saying I'm I'm a betting man. Christmas, it might be open for skating. I think the hockey might still be in trouble come the end of December. Well, do you know what? Like I, I agree with you 100%. If you want to play football, grab a ball, go to the park. Again, if you want to play cricket, grab a bat, grab a ball, grab some sticks, hope it's dry, go to the park. If you want to play ice hockey or anything like that, or even if you just want to go for a skate, yeah, do you know what? You could stick your roller skates on and whatever. But if you want to go ice skating, you need a rink. And it's great, I think. It's absolutely great that Leeds is getting a rink. So I'm certainly not going to knock anybody for that because I think, as you say, the opening of another facility is fantastic. And the best of luck, the best of luck to Planet Ice in getting it open and the best of luck to Leeds in getting their home opener finally into the calendar and I hope it's a real successful night for them when it comes, whenever it comes. Words you never thought you'd hear on the Bees Radio Network. Best of luck to Planet Ice. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> before we move on, because I, I know the list of topics here. Before we move on, I just want to say, like, obviously, you all have seen this. The whole sporting world has seen this. Petr Cech makes his debut for the, uh, for the Guildford Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix on Sunday. And in that, he comes out a winner in a penalty shootout. I just want to say, I hope that the, the EIHA PR machine 
is working overtime here because the amount of column inches that ice hockey is currently getting, thanks to Petr Cech, a fantastic, fantastic footballer who has now turned his hand and skates to ice hockey. But the, the amount of media coverage our sport is now getting, usually you only ever see ice hockey get this amount of media coverage if it's something bad. This is something really, really good. And I hope that the IHA have got plans in place to capitalise on this media coverage that the sport is currently getting. OK, Petr Cech has signed for Guildford. He signed in NIHL too. Absolutely nothing to do with us. But hopefully, you know, people who are football fans will be thinking, wow, that sounds quite interesting. Where's our local rink? And they'll find out about the Hive and they'll come down to the Bees games. Hopefully the same will happen in Swindon, in Basingstoke, in Peterborough, in Hull, up and down the country, whatever level. Hopefully, from any level, elite down to NIHL 2, even to rec, hopefully there'll be more people going. But this needs the IHL and the IHA to be working hard here on their PR because they have right now a, a, a gift horse this massive media storm that Petacek's debut has created. They have like a gift horse here. Don't look it in the mouth. You cannot explain, and I'm going to try to here. For those who don't know my background, I work for a sports news agency. Um, so as a result, when this all happened, obviously it's the first time most people in our office have gone, there's ice hockey in Great Britain, uh, which is quite a shocking and, and damning indictment considering the work I do for the bees and how much I talk about that as well. Um <sighs> The coverage of it uh, from people who, from sports journalists who don't know much about ice hockey has been simply shocking, uh, calling it the second tier of British ice hockey, uh, calling it professional ice hockey matches as well, where I thought was a yeah. was a real highlight of it. Uh, oh, I, I got a telling off on Twitter for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely didn't launch too much into that at a few people as they were talking to me. And look, the story's great. Petacek, who has been training with the Flames, has taken these opportunities, getting some game time with the Phoenix. Excellent to see. 990-odd people going into the spectrum, shutting or having to shut off a side of the rink because they're doing media opportunities. Yeah, it's all great. Completely right. EIHA have got to take advantage of it. Are they? Probably not. EIHL have got to take advantage. Are they? Probably not. I'm still trying to work out where I sit on this. I've had incredible proudness at sitting there and looking up at the Sky Sports News and seeing the spectrum being used as like the main sporting topic yeah. and talking point. And it's a little bit like, well, I've been in that building and have some very good memories and some very bad memories from in there. And then when Petter was doing the interviews, I'm like, I've stood on that wall. It's behind the back and, and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, it's great for that point of view. But I actually think some of the reporting from my trade has done a lot of damage to, to it. Um, and I think there was an expectation that, oh, he's playing professional. It's like, well, it's kind of the equivalent of an FA Cup tie, is how I'm looking at it. In goal, you've got a man who's made over 490-odd appearances in the Premier League, an international goalkeeper, and an incredible story as well with his recovery from the very serious injury sustained against Reading and still involved with the, with, with the sport. And then on the other side, you've got students, you've got uh, effectively postmen, effectively waiters. It's all those sort of... And I'm sort of thinking, well, if the real follow-up to that story should be Petr Cech is this guy, but who were the rest of his teammates? Who was the guy scoring the goals? Who was the guy doing this? And I'm sure there's some fascinating stories that could be turned out of that in the media. And that's the bit I'm a bit like, well, hang on here. I get the Petr Cech side. But if you really want to do something about it, you go, yeah, Petr Cech is this. But look at every other player in that team and who they are and what they do. Because they're not different from you or I. 
The only thing they can do is skate a bit better. Yeah. And, and that's... Well, quite a lot better in well, my exactly. case. I'm damning it with faint praise there, but you really have... There is the opportunity to really drive the everyman story and prove that ice hockey can be a sport for anyone. Hockey is for everyone, as I'm always told. Hockey is for everyone. And this was the golden opportunity to do it. And instead, my industry have slightly panicked and got it wrong. Uh, and I think overall, the follow-up on it, yes, it made the news cycle on Monday, but let's face it, it's international football break. It was a golden opportunity to hammer that story home a little bit more. And I think I think the boat has been missed on it now. I don't know how many games Pet is mm. going to play because obviously he does have a role at Chelsea. I'm not expecting him to be in the lineup every weekend for the Phoenix. Who knows? He might be. I mean, I, I've seen the number four posted as in the number of games that he'll play yeah. but that's not an official figure um i've seen that posted on facebook today by renee ross hello, hello renee. renee i hope you're very well just bring back all um, the old it's literally the old referees yes. podcast this is now yeah but you know i've seen the number four posted or not i don't know how you know how accurate that is where it's come from but as you say with a role with chelsea i can't see he'll be able to play all the games but you know i just hope for the the waiter and the plumber and the student that are playing alongside Petr Cech, 900 people is a fantastic turnout to watch them play. I just hope it doesn't dwindle back to the 40 or 50 that they'll normally get. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, a, it's a great for the Phoenix, great for them to get that exposure. It's up to, it's up to the sport to take it. It's up to the sport to take the opportunity. Um, and you're talking about it's the hope that kills you. It's another double game of hockey this weekend and it always is there yeah that every every friday the butterflies as you finish work get car and drive home it's straight away your mind does turn to the weekend's action and on saturday the bees go along it's a chance of revenge for the mk lightning because we go back to the thunderdome is it still the thunderdome mk even after they rebuilt it or is the thunderdome re- reserved for their old lightning team I, I do you know what i don't know i genuinely don't know i mean if you think about it, the foundations are still the same and the structure's still the same, isn't it? Like the actual building itself bears very little resemblance, but I suppose it could still be the Thunderdome. Yeah, it's got it? to still be. The, yeah, the fun, yeah, The MK the, Thunderdome. The MK, well, no, because the MK Thunderdome. Uh, the Thunderdome. We'll stick with the Thunderdome. Um, right. Obviously, big weekend for MK um, and a big week as well. Obviously, a couple of defeats. Uh, once again, ratcheting up the pressure on that team there and the changes have already begun to be... Uh, unfurled with Brody Jessen out in uh, somewhat extravagant circumstances. If you haven't seen his dad's post on the Milton Keynes lightning page, please do go read it. Um, it, it. There's always two sides to every story and the truth is somewhere in the middle. And I think very much it is somewhere in the middle on this story between MK and uh, Brody's dad. But on the other side of it, um, do you think that he's 60? No, he's might wear number 60, but Liam Stewart will be uh, soon icing for the Milton Keynes. I'll try to get a Rod Stewart gag in there. I didn't. I mean, they're well, a team of old faces, after all. But I mean, that's probably about as good as it gets, really. Well, yeah. I mean, they're not sailing quite yet, as yet, though, are they? Oh, there we go. Um, but no, I mean, this is you know, again, this is another great opportunity for PR. Liam Stewart, another great opportunity, not just for Milton Keynes, but for league-wide PR. But I mean, I was earlier today writing the preview, which will be out on the website on Thursday. And I was doing my research on MK, and there's really only two names from MK that are in the scoring charts at the top end, and that's Thomas Canar and Russ Cowley. And 
Milton Keynes, we did say, didn't we, you know, like it's not a bad roster. Not a bad roster by any stretch of the imagination. But you need more than two people to come to the party. There is that expression, isn't there? You know, like not a one-man team. You're also not a two-man team. And whilst, yeah, Thomas Kennard looked really good when he was in Bracknell a couple of weeks ago with the Lightning, so did Russ Cowley. We saw with the Basingstoke Bison last year how good Russ Cowley can be. But they need more support than that. And, yeah, the changes have started. I don't know how far they'll go or whether whether they're finished now or not. But, you know, this is... This is a very tough season for MK, you know, not in terms of the the off-ice dramas there were last year, but just in terms of you've made a big call in saying, hey, look, Elite League is not sustainable for us at this period in time. We're going to go back to second-tier hockey. This is a big season now because there are going to be some fans who are going to say, oh, look, this is rubbish. I can't be bothered. You have to... Those fans, I would urge those fans, having done it myself with Slough when we went from the BNL to the EPL, having done it with Basingstoke when the EPL folded and the NIHL was the way forward, you have to give it a chance. And, you know, this is, I think, a big season for Milton Keynes because they have to harness their fan base in on their return to second tier. And, yeah, maybe changes were needed because if you've just got your points production solely coming from two players, then that's a lot of pressure on those two players. So maybe changes were needed. Maybe it's going to give their fans a reason to believe after all as well. Anyway, I don't really <laughs> I don't really want to talk about that much for too much longer. But anyway, uh, so that's uh, Saturday is the night for that game. Not tonight's the night. Saturday's the night for that game. And then on Sunday, it is, of course, the Basingstoke Bison coming to town for what will be a big game for numerous reasons as well. Uh, there's going to be a switch in blocks for the game as well because the away fans will go into block two because we are expecting a very... Oh, no, they oh, won't. Yes, they will. There's a reason behind <laughs> that, by the way. That's There's a, a reason that... behind that. Panto build-up has started at the rink and block four is currently Panto store block. So uh, Bison fans will be back where they uh, where they, where they they used to in block two. Is that two. Panto stuff where they keep the handbags and the glad rags by any chance? Or, uh... Oh, <laughs> Oh, no, it isn't. <laughs> you see, I'm losing you now. Anyway. <laughs> yes, it's behind you. We really are. Your gagging career yeah, is behind we're you. We're all just on a downtown train. Anyway, uh, right. <laughs> so that is the big game on Sunday. It's going to be a cracker. We really do recommend you get your tickets early for that one because there is a big chance there's going to be plenty of uh, hot legs trying to make their way into the ground for that game. <laughs> They're just coming out yeah. now. They're just coming out. They are, um, aren't they? We should probably I, wrap up soon. Uh, there, I now, really think we? we should wrap this one up because, after all, uh, there's a reason to believe it's going to be a successful weekend for <laughs> the boys. Uh, I do for hope the boys so. in the black, white, and gold. I think it's going to be a cracking game. Mark, how can fans get tickets in advance of this one to ensure they're not stuck in the queues on Sunday? Now, this one is going to be busy on Sunday. If you would like to book your tickets, you can do it on the telephone on 01344 789 0 01344. 789000, as we've just alluded to, uh, Bison fans will be in Block 2 this weekend. So if you know anyone who is a Bison fan, just uh, drop them a nod and say, look, book your tickets for Block 2, which is the the traditional block for uh, previous seasons for the away fans. So 01344 789000, Bees fans, book your regular seats. And of course, Bison fans aim for block two. People get ready for this one. And how can people get ready for this weekend? First of all, with the weekend preview on the Bracknell Bees website. 
Bracknellbees.com, where you can get the weekend preview. And, of course, on Sunday, if you can't make the hive, you can also get the live coverage and as well. And what about across social media? Plenty of followers, plenty of people wanting to stay in contact. How can they do that? If you're a social media guru, then we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we are on Instagram. If you search Bees Ice Hockey on Facebook and on Twitter, that's where you'll find us. And if you're on Instagram, The Bracknell Bees. And, of course, if you can't make it, unfortunately, to the game this Sunday, how can fans stay in contact with the game? Uh, now, if you are on the Bracknell Bees website, bracknellbees.com, if you just drop down a little, you will see the Bees Radio Network section where you can, of course, just click the little button and stream away that radio coverage, which will be free as it was last week and will be next week and every other week too. And more importantly, it's Mark back on solo comms this week because unfortunately I'm out of the country. It is. So you get your dulcet turns and, and there's just one little question I have to ask you, Mark. Have you ever seen the rain? <laughs> oh dear. It's not rain, it's tears. It's tears. It's just, it's not rain. <laughs> That's the best way we get in this, Mark. Thank you very much as ever, buddy. Thank you, Graham. I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in as ever, and thanks for your continued support of the Bees Radio Network. Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.